0: Revelation 21, we're almost there, almost there, almost done, Revelation, and then we're going to be entering into just uh, topical this whole summer, which will be fun, we'll be talking about, you know, living with pain, and living with pain, and, no, just kidding, Uh, you know, just tons of topics that you wrote down, marriage, and, uh, you know, eternity, and all these great things that... uh, are about the things that you want to hear about. And so uh, we'll be doing that for the summer and probably uh, we'll reevaluate things then and get back to it. But uh, Revelation chapter 21, a difficult book, um, but just... Have you ever been to a place and tried to describe it to someone else? you ever seen something that's just incredible and you... Your words are—you're trying to say things in a way that we all understand, but it—it it just kind of falls short. There are places I've been that I could try to explain to you, and but you miss out on the smells, you miss out on the on the ambiance and the people, and the, and and that's I think what we why we really respect amazing writers—they're able to just uh, draw great word pictures, and. Right here in John, uh, it's definitely a word picture in, in, as John's uh, being re, having a, a revelation of the New Jerusalem in chapter 21. How many of you are under the impression that when we die, we go to heaven and that's it? Come on. When you die and you go to heaven, and that's it. What is heaven? This ethereal, cloudy place or something? Interesting. Heaven is going to be destroyed. Earth is going to be destroyed. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth for us to be in. And and, and he describes this city, which isn't the entirety of everything, but this city, which is something else. We can't even, it, it looks like a square. We're like, great, we live on a ball, now we're going to live in a square. You know? But that's according to the laws that we understand right now. Think about it. The physics that we currently understand, we currently enjoy, like gravity, being in one place at one time, not being able to travel to the other side of the earth except for you know, taking 21 hours to get to the other side. Do you imagine if those laws were totally different, totally changed? I mean, this is going to be absolutely crazy. Being able to hear beyond what you can hear right now, being able to communicate beyond what you can communicate. Having no pain in your body, constant joy, no sun, no moon, what? No ocean, what? I know. No time, or at least, you know, you can't, uh, we, we base our current time upon the sun and the moon and the stars, right? Just a totally different place. This place is here in chapter twenty one and it's gonna be our home. And the reality of this place is more is gonna be more real than what we are experiencing right now. This short time here on on earth is gonna be a short time here on earth. How many of you remember growing up? How many feel like that was just yesterday and it was gone? How many feel like that was, you can't, it's hard for you, some of you to recall exact scenes and senses and what it feels like. You know, I I I have a feeling like earth is going to be, our life here is going to be kind of like that feeling, like it's gone. And then we're going to enter into this whole new world where we awaken, where God has created us, where we belong. You know, we're spiritual beings living in this planet right here that's fallen. Our bodies are falling apart. The earth is falling apart. We keep on trying to reach that utopia, the age of Aquarius or whatever we're trying to reach, right? Every generation grabs for it, the new age. But we're trying to grasp for something that's eternal. And as you're going to see here, God brings it down. We can't attain it. It's a gift that God gives us, this new kingdom. This kingdom of God, where there is no darkness, there's no pain, no suffering, where you will be righteously rewarded for what you've done here and now on earth. How exciting. And so then I saw, chapter 21, verse 1, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, there was no longer any sea. Last week we read about the events that will take place right before the new heaven and the new earth. Three events to be, uh, if I could put them all together here. First, the return of Christ and his thousand-year reign on earth. Christ is coming back. He's coming back. No matter what you believe about the rapture or whatever, Jesus is coming back to the earth. He's going to have his bride and his people gathered together, and he's going to sit and rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And during that time, Satan will be bound Satan will be bound. Our adversary will be bound. And God will rule with a fist of iron from Jerusalem. There isn't going to be any, you know, what we experience today, which is what is called, you know, justice or the law. It's going to be thorough. It's going to be complete. The lion will be able to lie down with the lamb. Pretty cool. Safety. No locking your doors. I know some of you don't do that. You've got to start. <laughs> It's coming. <laughs> you know? Awesome time. A thousand years. Ruling and reigning. And that's with him. According to what we've done. And we'll talk about that in a bit. He rules from Jerusalem. So Satan is bound for a thousand years. And at the end of that thousand years, he's going to be released for a short time. Now, why in the world would God do that? I have no idea. Why does he do the things he does? I don't know. That's why he has the credentials of being God. But at the end of that time, Satan's going to gather up the people again after a thousand years of total peace on the earth where man has no excuse. He's going to rally up people again and man's hearts are going to rebel. And it shows, you know, you can have the rule of God on the outward part of your heart. On the outward part, of you can make things happen go to church, jump over to this, do that. But it's the inward thing that God wants. He wants our hearts. Not to say you shouldn't, you know, provide these godly things for our families, amen? You know, but you can have that rule, that superficial rule over you, and yet your heart still be wicked. And at the end of that thousand years, you'll see that man's heart is still broken. We're going to go after what we're going to go after. And man man is going to be gathered together into another battle. Well, God, I wouldn't even call it a battle, just a a carnage. God's going to waste them. And at the end of that thousand years, Satan's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And then thirdly, the third thing that's going to happen is the great white throne judgment where um, the dead will be judged. I believe we will be judged at the throne of grace, the mercy seat, and the rest of the world will be judged at this. The great white throne judgment. And so chapter 20, beginning of verse 11 reads, I'll just read it for you. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. God is just. He will judge people according to what they have done. And the sea gave up their dead that were in it. And and death and Hades gave up the dead uh, dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Again, then death and Hades, the holding place right now in the center of the earth, were thrown into the lake of fire, that eternal place. And the lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Have you asked Jesus to save you? Have you asked Jesus to save you? That's what it means. That's what his purpose for the first coming was, was to save us from that. Is your name written in the book of life? You know how that happens? God is so cool. He doesn't make you go through 15 classes and then give you a certificate. He says, "Call upon my name, and I will save you." God help me. And guess what happens? You're saved. Your name gets written down in the book of life. Done deal. He wipes away all the sins, all the bad things that you've done and will do. His blood covers you. He loves you. You're his child now. You're saved by grace through faith. And part of that, part of that relationship of of that happening is we turn from our sin. We turn towards God. We start living after him and he fills us with his Holy Spirit and gives us the power to live the life that we tried to live without Him, trying to be right. He makes us righteous, amen? Love that. So the return of Christ to the earth, you know, for the uh, from Jerusalem, ruling for a thousand years, the judgment of Satan, finally the great wine throne judgment. And now, chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, no more surfing. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then my favorite verse, people wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. The order that we're living in right now, the age that we're living in right now, is marked by those things. Sin entered the world through the first Adam, and with it, death. And we've all tasted of death. We're tasting it now. Our bodies are falling apart. But life comes through Jesus Christ, the second Adam. In John 14, it says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God; believe also in Me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, uh, would I have told you? I'm sorry. Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with Me. That you, that where I am, you may be also. You know the way. Uh, you know the way to the place I am going." And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you you do know him and have seen him. Here, Jesus is talking about that permanent dwelling place. And the way to it is through him, alone. No other way. There are many different attempts at getting in. But this truth, Jesus coming down, is the only one that satisfies God. And I've talked about that over and over again. And I will continue to until the day I die. Jesus is the way. And so he's talking about the new Jerusalem here. Verse 5, he was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? Everything new? Imagine if everything was new right now. Like new trees, new cars, new streets, new you know? I'm going back to San Diego this summer just for for a week and you know when you when you live in a certain place for a certain while you don't realize how how things age, you know? It's like seeing relatives after a while, you go, Oh wow, you know, you're you're getting there. And they're like, Well, aren't you growing up and they pinch your cheek, you know, or whatever it is. And we're not new anymore. Getting older. This earth is getting older. Things are wearing out. These chairs in 10 years are going to just be decimated, right? Carpet, buildings, trees, whole things going away. But God says, "He who's seated on the throne, I'm going to make all things new, everything new. How awesome is that going to be? No more second law of thermodynamics. Things going from order to disorder, from useful energy to useless energy. No more of that. No more organizing your room and it falling apart. How did that happen? Second law of thermodynamics. No more of that. All things are new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Whenever God speaks, they're trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done, it is finished. He dealt with sin. Remember when he said, it is finished? That's a good deal. Now he says it again. With this new world, it's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sits on the throne. And when the king speaks, speaks, it's trustworthy and true. Then he says, it is done. If God says it's done, it's done, right? And he identifies himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega. You know, the A to Z in the Greek. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. Both Jesus and the Father used this title. Difficult for the cults who claim that the deity of Jesus isn't so. And to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water. To the thirsty I'm going to give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is answering it here in eternity you're going to be filled. Those who are victorious, verse 7, will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Revelation 2, 7, when we speak into the church, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 3.21, to to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. We're overcomers through Jesus Christ. We're going to eat from that tree. We're going to drink from that water. And we're going to be satisfied. It's going to be awesome. Because of Jesus Verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Our life should not be identified by these things. If they are, repent. Cowardly. I'm not going to go you know, 10 weeks on this. Don't worry. Cowardly. It means the fearful. And it means I think it was uh, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The scriptures declare, you know, that's the fear that we should have the fear of the Lord, not those who pull away from God also the unbelieving those who have no fear of god in their hearts and their minds they'll be those who populate darkness it's sad verse eight one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came to me and said come i will show you the bride the wife of the lamb and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city jerusalem coming down from heaven of god heaven from god it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. John is shown the bride of Christ and then he describes a city. He says, come and see the bride of Christ and you get to see this new city and it's kind of mysterious. It's like, what, are we a city? You know? And I think there are two different, you know, different people think different things on this. I think that... We are being. uh, Let me just read a few verses, and we'll we'll get there for a second. But because it says this, many people wonder: Is this like a real place, or is this symbolic, or or what's going on? I think, obviously, because of the great detail he's about to go into, it's a real place, and we're really going to populate it. It's pretty cool. But however, it's it's kind of like we are. We are part of that place. It's kind of like we are the church, you know, except for I tell you stop going to church, go be the church, you know. It's like then we're going to really be the church, you know. (laughs) We're going to be the building. We're going to be there in this city with God dwelling together. But some interesting verses that kind of make you think about this whole idea of the bride and and the new Jerusalem being uh, synonymous or similar. In 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse makes me think, you know, the new Jerusalem is filled with God and his people. In essence, we are the temple, you know, where God's spirit dwells. We're going to be together. We're getting, the, the point of this whole place is that God is there. His glory is shining and we are with him. That's what a temple's about. We get to be with God. If God were in this room right now, if you could see him, Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be what we all came for? We attain those things by faith now, but then our faith shall be sight. It's going to be great. His glory is going to shine through the walls of the street. It's going to illuminate our lives. No more darkness, no more fear. Just joy and peace and love and thankfulness. No worry or pain. Just a constant satisfaction of soul. Just health in your bodies. Verse 12, it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations. I don't know what that means. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles. If you remember in Ephesians chapter 2, 19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God, God's people and are also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Very just interesting how God wants to dwell in and through us. It's never about the building. It's not about this room. It's about you. Your hearts, your souls. God wants to dwell in you and with you and through you. Isn't that exciting? Imagine if, you know, someone of the most famous people in the world says, "I want to be with you 24 hours a day. I want you to come live with me in my mansion. I want to hang out with you. I want to find out what you're doing." Wouldn't you be like, "Ha!" Ah! Wow, how cool. Well, the guy who created all those people, he wants that. Gives us some great insight about that new city. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. I like that. We're going to be with God and he's going to be with us. We are the temple of the spirit. I can't get my old world mind around this concept, can you? I can't. It's like talking you know, five dimensions to a two-dimension person. So the angel tries to help us out. Verse 15, The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold, very convenient, to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 1,200 stadia in length and as wide as it is, high as it is long. Basically a cube. If it's a cube, it's either a cube or a pyramid, some people say, but a cube. 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. So here to San Diego, then straight up and over. Uh, Pretty, that's, again... That's judging by earthly calculations. We don't know how many dimensions this thing, or even if dimensions exist. You know what I'm saying? You can have, with multiple dimensions, you can have every. You can compact so much stuff into one little place. I don't even want to go there right now because we're all going to go crazy in our heads, but who knows what this is? It's just telling us in our terms so we understand there's a place as dimensions. You know? The angel measured the wall, right? Oh, basically, sorry, 1,500. Uh, Henry Morris, uh, he talks about this. is guessing that there will have been 100 billion people in the human race and that 20% of them will be saved. That's just a guess, or 25%. Calculates that each person would have a block with about 75 acres on each face to call their own. He's just guessing, you know. 75 acres. That's pretty cool. You know, whatever. I know some of you have more than that, so... It's, like, it's a downgrade, sorry. Don't have to spray or anything. It's going to be great. Have cool combines. It's going to be awesome. The angel measured the wall using human measurements, and it was 144 cubits. Thank you so much for the human measurement there. Some people think 200 feet thick or 200 feet high. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. Again, gold is pure as glass. Is that earthly? Gold is pure as glass. The foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, agate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The, the sixth, ruby. The seventh, chrysolite. Uh, the eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. Tenth, Uh, Turquoise, 11th Jacinth, and the 12th Amethyst. Uh, These 12 stones, some say, represent the 12 tribes, and I butchered those, I know, honey. Thank you. She's laughing. Onyx, Onyx, sorry. What did I say? (coughs) Angst. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not a Rubiologist. The The breastplate of the high priest had these different ones, and people associated those with those. Anyways, we we don't actually know what they all mean, right? But the idea is that it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Twelve stones, you know, the total different types of stones. Whatever they are, they're brilliant. Unlike Babylon the Great, the stones will not be the focus. Remember we were reading about Babylon the Great in 16 and 17, how they all desired it for its wealth? That won't be the desire of the city. It'll be the glory of God. He will illuminate the city and make it beautiful. He will be the centerpiece of it. The whole thing is going to be crystal clear, yet you'll be able I don't know, it's it's going to be radiating endlessly. 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure and as transparent as glass. No mention of Peter at the pearly gates. Sorry about that. <laughs> Peter's not to be found there. He's actually a foundation, I guess. So, I, Man, giant pearls. That's going to be interesting. Connect that with the pearl of great prize. Just go study that for yourself. Anytime you see words like that and interesting things, just go connect it. And the gates are always going to be open. We'll read about that in a minute. But notice that uh, heaven's asphalt is our most precious stone on the earth or most precious thing we go after, gold. It's going to be asphalt. Matthew 6, 19 says, Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where is our treasure? Are we building up things on earth that are just going to be burnt away? Or are we storing up spiritual treasures to enjoy in that city that will not go away? Man, we focus on on the, on the physical. Jesus always has to tell parables in the physical so we'll understand a, per, a spiritual principle. He talks about money. He talks about trees. He talks about the fields and things being sown, all to try to get us in the mind of This is representing something spiritual. The very temple in the Old Testament was a shadow of the true temple. All these things. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Live light, you know? I did not see a temple in the city. Verse 22, Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And the lamp, I'm uh, sorry, and the lamb is its lamp. That's hard for dyslexic people. The B and the P there. Lamb and lamp. The lamb is its light. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's glory is brighter than our sun. It's more brilliant than our sun. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to be able to see it and comprehend it. Not thoroughly, but I mean, we're going to be able to look upon it and examine Him. It's going to be altogether lovely. It's going to be great. There's no temple the old people, you know what this would have been this would have been crazy it's like and there's a city without a bank. what? Because God is the money, you know what I mean no there's, there's a city without the temple. what because he 's a temple, so powerful, us with him, no building, no separating worship. what God desires, the thing that separates us sin is gone in heaven. None of our joy, beauty, or knowledge will be based on created things, but only on the Creator. That's a deep thought. In heaven, none of our joy, beauty, or knowledge will be based on created things, but on the Creator. 24. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there, The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter into it, nor will anyone who does does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there's going to be nations and kings on the earth. We're going to rule and reign. I don't know what this is going to look like. There's going to be an earth with people. Us ruling and reigning in different places. Who knows? Don't know. Guessing at this point The nations are going to bring their glory Into the temple it's going to, There's going to be none of this sin going on There ain't going to be anything bad It's going to be great There isn't going to be night Isn't it going to be cool not to have to sleep I know some of us love sleep But I'm just talking about Like to not get tired Not get weary at all Endless energy I look at John and Ruth, I'm just going, if we could, forget about renewable energy, let's figure out how we can harness the energy of kids, you know, I mean, it's like, aw, cutie. See what I'm saying? (laughs) Aw. Don't worry, just one more minute. That's what he says all the time. I know, it's horrible. No more night. No more gates. Don't need to lock your doors. There isn't going to be a problem. You don't have to worry about someone mugging you or stealing anything. You can leave your car doors open. we are not going to need cars. We'll just instantly transport to where we need to go, probably. Bodies like Christ walking through walls. Isn't that going to be awesome? No danger. Verse 27 is a warning for us. Verse 27 says, Nothing deceitful but only those whose names are written in the book of life. Those of this age who live that way and have not repented, whose names are not in the book of life, are not going to be in that city. Our hearts should beat for them. Like God, when we look around, we should be loving these people and bringing them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eternity somewhere else is not where I want them to be. God doesn't either. But they choose. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And again, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? It's very fitting that it's Mother's Day. My mom, when I was four years old, she asked me, Do you want to receive Jesus in your heart? And I said, Yeah, I do. So we were in her bedroom and... She said, okay, well, just kneel next to the bed with me and pray this prayer. I prayed this prayer, and I started to cry. And I didn't know what it was then, but God's Spirit filled me at four years old. My mom simply just asked a little kid, do you want to receive Jesus? And the little kid said, yeah. And he came in, and he changed me. And I have lived an amazing life in christ i have lived a dark life apart from him but he is faithful when i was out there in the world and i was doing all the things i wanted to do and some of you you know younger kids listen up it ends in death christ is the light everything is shiny and pretty and that's the enemy's tactic to get you to follow after the shiny and pretty things whatever is cool If you were going to try to deceive your enemy, wouldn't you want to have them go after something they want that is of no value so that you could destroy them? That's his tactic. And he's got this generation with a hook. Be wise according to what the enemy does. But Christ, he wants to bring life. The simplicity of saying yes to Jesus. And he comes in your heart and he makes you a new person, not because of what I've done, just because of who he is. God wants to dwell with us. That's what all this is about. Something about his nature is shining through here. He loves you. He likes you. He wants to be with you. He created. He custom made you. With all your little quirks and everything. And he goes, you're mine. And I'm going to be with you forever and ever and Ever. My mom was faithful, and I thank her to this day for being faithful just to ask me. Ask your kids, even now when they're older, ask them. Is your name written in the book of life? I know it sounds so silly on this side of eternity. The gospel's foolishness to those who are perishing. But on that side, you will have no regu- regrets of asking anyone about Christ. You will have no regrets. Zero. You know, I, I, I look at verses. We're going to end early, so I know. It's amazing. And he will wipe away every tear. You know, we're created in the image of God, both male and female. And us guys, you know, we, we love to, you know, hold our daughters and all that type of stuff. But it's usually the mothers, when the always happen, come in there and make it all better. And they wipe away every tear. And they tell you everything's going to be all right. And they hold you and they comfort you and they nurture you. And you see this attribute of God in in us. But he's longing for that day when he knows how hurt and how broken you've been and how much you failed, Matt's failed, and the things we could have done that weren't. When we look at our kids, the things you could have been, but you weren't. But that doesn't change his love. And he's going to look at us and say, the things that you did, look how awesome. How proud I am of you. Remember this time when you did this and you suffered through this with your different ailments, with your physical problems, with with the financial problems, with, with your emotional problems, with the economic problems, with everything that's going on. Remember how you persevered, how you looked at me? Remember how I provided for you? Wasn't that awesome? And then he's going to probably reveal all these amazing things behind the scenes of how oh yeah I talked to this person and this person talked to that person. And remember if they did that while well, they were praying to me at this time on the other side of the world and you know he's God he can do all that stuff it's pretty fun. And he can talk to more more than one people at once so it's okay. He loves you and he wants that same love that he has for you to shine to others. This is eternity, and we're headed towards it. Our church should be people who reach people for Jesus Christ with whatever he's given us. Remember the story of the talents I shared with last week? Some of us have have got like 10 talents. Ain't me, but some of us have 10 talents. You know, and we get to go invest them. Some of us have one. Go invest it. You know, I... This world it puts such a you know a downer on being a mom. Why aren't you out there earning a living? Are you kidding me? Our nation is falling apart and I'm proud of each and every mother working in a career or not, investing in your kids, telling them about Jesus night and day, shining in your character and who you are. Are you going to fail? Moms with kids out of the house, say amen. amen. <laughs> we need you. And we're proud of you. We look to you. There's a lot of younger women in this church that need the wisdom of the older women. They need it. And the, and the scriptures say, hey, you older women admonish the younger women on how to live godly, how to love your husbands and all these types of things, right? Right? You still are so valued and needed. Your time is not up. The older ladies, keep going. Keep pushing. And as younger folks, listen up. We have to keep our hearts open. We don't have the answers to anything. Listen to the wisdom of the older people who live godly in Christ. Could you just roll off the high end on this thing? It's driving me crazy. Thanks. (laughs) We have a mission field around us. We have kids that need Jesus. We have kids that are right here around us that need people just to love them. You know, we have families right here in this body that are hurting. And so I want us to continue to press into that, to live like Christ, to reach out and right now start wiping the tears, you know, start loving one another. You know, I just think of our dear sister, Betty, who, you know, is right here among us. She's at church, and she had a memorial for Dean yesterday. It was beautiful. The flowers are gorgeous. We honored him, and people were sharing just strong faith. It was just amazing. It was just a life well lived. And at the end of our lives, to have that testimony. When we're on the other side, we're in that building, or are in that, that city four-squared, We've done all that we could do. We shared all that we could share. And it's not up to us to convince people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's us to be a mouthpiece, to be hands and feet for Christ. Amen? All right. So let's pray. And thank God that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Father, we thank you that you are the way you have the, well, your son said he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to you except through your son. And, and we receive Jesus, Lord. We thank you for him. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you that that is finished. Thank you that this is not all there is, that you will create a new heaven and a new earth, Lord, and things that we cannot even comprehend. If we think this world is exciting, we have no idea what's in store for us then that even when we get to heaven and all these things are coming to a climactic end you have more and more and more for us and throughout eternity you're going to be revealing yourself to us things just when we think we understand things you're going to blow our minds help us to live with eternity in our hearts and our minds father I especially lift up the mothers today we lift them up to you we ask that you would Empower them with your Holy Spirit once again today, Lord, to be the encouragers that they are, to be the strong women, Lord, that we need. We ask that their tears, Lord, would be, well, it says in Scripture that you keep their tears in the bottle. So, Lord, that you would keep track of their tears and know their hearts and answer their prayers. And while their children, are, some of them are going berserk, we ask that you would please just comfort them with truth from your word. Give them hope, Lord. Continue to bring love into a society that's full of increasing hate. Thank you for the women of this church, Lord. We ask that you bless them. I can't wait to be with them in eternity altogether, Lord. Excited about what you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.